0: There's three things that I think that you need to be successful in crushing demand in. And I know I said this one already today. You need to know what's possible. You need access to the audience and you need to value profit sells.
1: You're listening to the flip my funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing sales and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday. And in these episodes, we focus on one of two things. We'll either be sharing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from a Flip My Funnel event, or you'll hear Sangram and someone from the Terminus team discuss how they're getting better in a specific functional area of Terminus's business. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go.
2: All right, so why Fanonic and why Daniel? All right, so first of all, Phenonic is a phenomenal company. The more I learned about this company, I was like, man, this is, this is really cool. First of all, they have raised over $160 million, so which means whatever they're doing, they have some epic stuff going on over there, and we're going to hear more from Daniel about it. They are all about high growth, and to them, growth, and no matter how you want to go get it, if trying to go different sectors, different products, different delivery lines, they're trying many different things. They're going to hear a lot more about it, but you think about a company that is literally changing the world. They're changing the world when it comes to heating and cooling of stuff, right? So you're going to hear what that exactly means. But he was sharing with me last night, and one of the things that Daniel was like, man, first of all, he has done at five different companies prior to this, he has built up a demand gen team from ground up. So we're talking to someone who has actually done it not one, not two, not three, not four, five times. So knows a lot about tech, understands what technology go, And from there, as he went to, Fanonic, the first person he called was Jim and said, Hey Jim, I need this too. So he's going to talk about why Terminus was one of the first product that he thought, not, not marketing automation, not anything else, but why Terminus was the first thing he wanted to have in his organization. So it's going to be really, really cool to hear about that. And then he says so two time customer, he's also an ABME winner. So for those of you know, like the full path every year we do ABME, so he's the ABME winner. And then he just started with Pro Services. Where's the Pro Services team? There there you go. Woo! All right. You guys are doing some really, really cool stuff. So he was here spending like three, four hours with the Pro Services team to figure out what it is. The rest of the presentation today, I don't know how much time we'll have for Q&A, but really wanted Daniel to share how he's implementing the team framework that we also talk about. We wanted to make sure that we hear that from a customer. So we're going to talk about how he implements the team framework in his organization to drive some phenomenal results. So let's hear it for Daniel. Uh, All
0: right, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. If you can't tell, I'm a huge Terminus fan. Hopefully you'll learn why in just a minute. But I was excited to get the opportunity to come out here for a lot of reasons, to learn about the product roadmap, to learn about our strategy for 2019. We did a workshop yesterday to to kind of get a better feel for what else we could be doing. Because uh, what Terminus has done for us has been awesome. And I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. So... I put a bunch of stuff about me professionally because uh, Sangram said he wanted me to introduce myself professionally, and I'm not going to go through it all, but the main point I wanted to make is that I'm definitely a marketing demand gen purist. I've spent a lot of time doing this, and I've participated in a lot of different kinds of case studies and awards and stuff like that, and I love doing this stuff. So uh, the main point I wanted to come away from this slide was that you know that I've done this a lot, and, and I'm a huge fan of MarTech, and this is kind of my background. More interestingly, I was supposed to introduce something fun about myself, and so I'll t- I, I'll take you through this one. You know, the um, picture of me and my wife at a Justin Timberlake concert two, a couple weeks ago. I met. On my first date with my wife, I told her I was going to marry her, and that that happened. So, and at the time, I was actually 18. Uh, so, but when you know, you know. Uh, and there's my two children, uh, James and Dorothy Marie, who I love dearly. And and then the kind of fun fact about me, I usually go to, is I like I like racing cars. So you can see I want to go fast. Is what I put in there. Is the <laughs> last few cars that that I, I have owned, and it's kind of a weakness of mine. And these two pictures were actually taken on the same day. That's why I'm wearing the same shirt. Uh, So so that's me. But it's not really all about me. It's also about the team. And I really wanted to make that point. You know, we would not be successful if not having a kick-ass team helping me do that. So you know, I put Jim first because Jim's where I started and then Liz because Liz is who's been owning the account so far. And then I put Karen and Lexi because they recently came into it. And it really is a team effort. And I'm very appreciative for that. And I know that many of you uh, impact what we're doing as well, just behind the scenes. So I'm very appreciative of that. And I've certainly learned in my life that you can't be successful without other people, other good people around you. So thank you very much to you. So I also wanted to introduce Phononic and help you understand what Phononic's doing. It's, I'm not going to lie, it's kind of a difficult thing to understand at first glance, but the main point is solid state inevitability. And when you think about data, uh, nothing changed data more than semiconductors and, and processors. Nothing changed telecommunications more than chips in your mobile phone. Nothing changed lighting more than LED semiconductors changed lighting. Nothing is changing refrigeration like chips, are changing refrigeration. And so we make chips, we make these uh, that replace these and can be as small as that. They don't just replace compressors, but that's the easiest one. So we cool and heat things with no moving parts through, through thermal electronics, which I'm killing myself because I left two of them upstairs and I was going to pass them around during the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you turn around, they get hot and cold. But that's what they do. So why does that matter? It's not always so obvious. There's a lot of places that heating and cooling is applied. So in cold storage, like, like refrigeration, 120 million compressors are sold annually only 70% of U.S. food is stored properly and only 5% of Asia, the food in Asia is stored properly. Every single one of those compressors, theoretically, if not it gets its way, will be replaced by a chip, not a compressor, because compressors suck. <laughs> 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 uh, optoelectronics, which is something I'm sure nobody has heard of, is the transceivers that transmit data down the fiber optics. So something like 5G data, which is coming to your phone, is only possible today through thermal electronics because thermal electronics heat and cool the laser to keep them in the right wavelength to shoot more lasers down the pipe. So you get more data. So not that we're not the only people who make these, but we do make the best ones. And, uh, and I could get into why it's, it's scientific, but I won't, you know, and then as far as big data centers things. So data, this, this stat says data centers consume 3% of the world's power. That's crazy, right? That's a lot of power. Our chips can be as much as 40% more energy efficient for that function. And if you think about the biggest thing that limits computing is heat, and when you think about data centers, it gets really hot, so we can cool in very tight spaces. When you think about vaccines, billions B, billions of vaccines are lost in transport today. Billions, because if a vaccine gets out of a certain temp range, it kills the vaccine. And that happens for a couple of reasons. Number one, compressor-based technology doesn't run well on batteries because it kicks on and it takes a lot of energy. And number two, compressor-based technology, because of the way it works, it kicks on, it gets cold, it kicks off, it gets warm, it kicks on, it gets cold, it kicks off, it gets warm. And that range is really hard to maintain. Well, with solid state technology, there is no range. So literally the CDC guidelines for storing vaccines says put water bottles in the corners of your fridge so if they freeze, you know you're out of spec. That literally is in it. And that's crazy, right? Your vaccine's that you get today, literally, they have to put water bottles in the corner to make sure they're not getting frozen. They're like, that's insane. Like nobody would do that if there was a better way. Which is exactly why Thermo Fisher partnered with us, and we're their their exclusive dis- distributor. And we're basically transforming medical refrigeration with solid state technology. You know, getting into retail and merchandise, which I got some bonus content added in uh, on another slide. We open up a whole new way of. Freezing and cooling because you don't need different power requirements. You don't have heat reject. So, there's a lot of opportunity in, in retail space to change how you put things in the store. So, like right now, the example I was giving yesterday is why is the mozzarella not next to the tomatoes, not next to the crackers, right? Because in a grocery store today, you have to put the freezers in the freezer section, and the refrigerator, in the refrigerator, because that's just how the stores get wired because of how the technology works. And we are changing that. You may have seen the Pepsi bottling ventures announcement a couple of days ago where they're basically replacing the refrigerators with Phenox technology. And then uh, climate control being the biggest one and the most exciting one, if you think about clim- climate control is your number one energy consumption in your house and less than, so it says 50% of home energy use. Uh, but there's some stat, like half of the people in the world or only half the world have air conditioning and almost all of them are in US and China or something like that. And as the rest of the world comes on with uh, air conditioning, the power required to do that is crazy. And phononic technology, technology allows for creating climate control in a different way that takes a lot less energy. That's the easiest way to put it. So there's a lot of applications. These are a few of them that I want to talk about. This is the bonus content I put in. We had a photo shoot a couple days ago. It was Star Wars night at the PNC arena. And that right there is one of the freezers we make. And never could you before make a freezer that size or put it at the countertop right next to the cash register and inside it's got ice cream in it. And that's a big deal to people like Unilever who make almost most ice cream in the world because now they can sell a frozen Snickers bar reg- next to the regular Snickers bar and they couldn't do that before. So you'll start seeing frozen things at checkouts because now you can do it and you couldn't do it before because the power or the heat reject would melt the candy bars or whatever. So that gives a little bit insight. So this is what I told my team this year when we were um, planning 2019. I said 2019 will be about building credibility in the eyes of the target audience. And I wanted to put that in here because. Phenonic makes a new technology that doesn't exist today, and anybody who knows about thermal electronics has had a bad history with thermal electronics because traditionally they haven't worked well, and that's something Phononic is changing. And so a big part of what we're trying to do is build credibility, and a big part of what Terminus allows us to do is to deliver our messaging in a targeted way, in a kind of a way that we show up everywhere way, and, uh, and it builds credibility of the brand and makes our presence feel more real to the market. So I wanted to put some results at the front, and then I'm going to kind of go through it. But just to get your head wrapped around it, in the first six months of doing this at at, uh, Phenonic, we were able to convert 17% of the healthcare TAM into the funnel, or six months. Yeah, first six months, 17% of the healthcare funnel into the TAM, 405 hospitals out of 2,333 that we were targeting. That's huge in six months, you know, on a new technology. And then we converted 75% of the optoelectronics targets to closed one. In nine months, 75% of it was nine, nine out of 12. It's not a big not a big world. That's a huge deal when you're a new technology. And it was very important to us. We're, we're now moving into two new verticals. And like uh, Sangram said, we're on a path to growth, explosive growth. And we need to be fast. Uh, so that's kind of what I want to hit on. And the last comment on this is, you know, the KPIs that... Terminus enables are so different from anything I've done before. And the way we go about marketing is so different from how I've done it before because of what Terminus enables, which I'm going to try to show here. So I know there's a lot on this slide. And when I was originally trying to put this together, I was trying to, was trying to put nuggets in that you could take away to go back to your other clients and, and be like, hey, you could do this. You know, and I'm sure some of you have seen some of these things and maybe not, you know, but I was trying to think about what did I learn in the context of Target which I kind of translated into align and operationalize marketing and sales efforts around a unified target account strategy. So I said, one of the first and important things to do is to simplify account targeting. And we did that with this little sheet right here, and then uh, build tactics for that segmentation, and then uh, use naming conventions to understand uh, the reach, and then uh, use dynamic lists to qualify and move people in and out of tactics. But what I wanted to say was the biggest challenge that I have run into when I talk to other people is they don't know where to start and they get hung up on like, how do I, how do I even get going on this? And a lot of people like just the prospect of getting with their sales organization and building a target account list is just so daunting and sometimes impossible because I think sales is just so disconnected from marketing. And so I really wanted to make the point that it doesn't have to be perfect. You can slim it down and you can make it more simplified. And the most important thing is just start on it. And even if you as the marketer have to make it up to get started, still get started. Like don't not start. So. When I think about campaign execution or engagement and what we have changed with Terminus, one thing I learned is that uh, it's very important to be buyer journey centric when we're creating the content and a lot of content we create is buyer journey driven. And, uh, and we started doing that a, a year ago and, um, and we wanted to make sure that anything we were creating fit a stage of the buyer journey. And then we wanted to try to map that back to the personas we were targeting. And one of the things that's really interesting with Terminus is that you can do that perfectly by targeting certain departments with certain messaging so, as we started getting into it, one of the other big things that we learned that I wanted to kind of share was how we changed our blogging strategy to fit with uh, Terminus. And so, this is a campaign calendar, which is super hard to see, but we were basically plotting the events that were on the calendar with blog topics, with Terminus topics, and releasing them on a regular cadence. So, one of the big things we changed is we would drop every time we drop a new blog, we drop a new Terminus content. And that's what you, you're seeing here. We learned every time we drop new Terminus content, engagement would. Would spike big time. So once we started seeing that, we really wanted to see, well, how can we do that better? And so the easiest way to do it was to time Terminus ads with blog content and put it out. So it's a very easy way to build some ammunition for Terminus. And I wanted to make sure I shared that. And then um, one of the other big things that we learned from an execution perspective is the value of starting early. What we learned is if we launched the campaign two weeks in advance of launching the other tactics, it has a massive impact on how all of the other tactics, uh, launch previously, we would just drop an email campaign or we would start a call campaign or we would do a, a social campaign. And what we found is if you launch the terminus two weeks in advance and then launch the campaigns, we saw significant climbs in, uh, conversion rates across all the different channels. And so it, one of the things I really wanted to point out was the value of just starting that campaign. One of the other things that I found that I thought was interesting was even if you don't have budget to spend on that campaign, if you launch that campaign and put a very minimal budget into it from a tactic perspective, you at least get the tracking that flows through from like what accounts are on your site and you get some good insight into, you know, as you're executing these other tactics, how that's influencing vendors come or target accounts coming onto your site. So I just wanted to make the point that when you're, if your customers are or your accounts that you're working on are thinking about launching Terminus, but they don't have a lot of budget and they're launching some other tactics. It's a good uh, tactic to run underneath it just to try to pick up some some reporting. So as far as optimizing marketing outfit, which is what I which I kind of mapped back to activate. Oh yeah, this is some of the stats we had. So as far as what we actually got for that, we saw cold sales emails get a 1.8 success rate. So that meant we got an appointment out of that. We saw target accounts getting 78% more visitors on the website. We saw really, conceptually what happened was we started building a lot of credibility with sales. And what was happening was as we were launching these campaigns and showing the engagement of the accounts and going back to sales and saying, hey, these departments of these accounts are are engaging, it became very interesting to sales team where before it was kind of more abstract, oh, we got these leads or this number of leads or this amount of funnel or this pipeline. And they're like, well, was that pipeline really marketing driven? But now instead of being focused on was it marketing driven or not, it's been easier to talk about these are your accounts that you told me you want to target. These are departments that you want to target. this is how they're engaging and helping them understand how marketing is helping them engage those, those departments. So it's been really significant in shaping how I interact with, with sales and how sales interacts with me. So getting into some of the, the measurements overall, I kind of wanted to share all the different places we had seen it. But you know, we reduced advertising costs by 20% uh, while engaging 43% of the market that we were targeting. We dropped uh, LinkedIn uh, when we were running LinkedIn ads. When we ran it ABM versus not ABM, so targeting accounts versus not targeting accounts, 14% of our impressions were driven by the ABM ads, but 54% of our clicks came from that. So it was very indicative of don't just run the LinkedIn, run the LinkedIn with targeted account lists. With the call center, I mentioned this earlier, we saw a 35% reduction in cost to generate the appointment when running the terminus in advance versus running it not running it in advance. With email, we saw an 80% lift in open rate, 56% of those engaging, so, so clicking through and doing some, whatever we wanted to do. lift in attendance, webinar attendance, with 50, 45% of the target discount coming. So that was a lot of stats I'm just kind of reading off. But the point I wanted to make was, which I kind of spoke to earlier, it's so wide-reaching what terminus is touching, and it's such a big deal in how it impacts everything that we're doing. And then we see things like pipeline acceleration, which I know is one of the kind of the cornerstones of terminus and we certainly have seen that like i know it's one thing to say it's another thing to see it we we, we had some accounts in asia that we had been working on forever that we just couldn't get the engagement in and then you get the engagement and bam it happens and we start repeating on that and we've seen sales cycles that used to be nine months be, be a month um and that's especially important when you're trying to get in multiple departments because what you find is like look well, okay, i'm really good at getting in engineering but there's somebody in purchasing who's just killing me and purchasing doesn't want to add a new vendor or something like that. Well, when we start hammering purchasing on why uh, Phenonic makes sense to them from a purchasing perspective, we start getting some traction from purchasing. And so, like a, you know, especially at big companies where they don't want to add new vendors, that's it's paperwork for them. You know, so it became a, a game of understanding what departments we're engaging and how we engage the other ones to improve that organic rate at which that company understands Phenonic. So that was a, a really big deal. And, and then when I look at revenue impact, this is what was on the first slide. I mean, we converted 17% of the TAM in healthcare, 75% in optoelectronics, and we're on some some really fast growth. And when you look at what we're doing with healthcare, with a new technology, you know, landing one account and getting one refrigerator into that account, when they start to see that and understand how a fridge works, you know, just even if it's just one fridge. Eventually, the right people find out about it and they, they start to adopt. And so a lot of what Terminus allows us to do is kind of evangelize that tech into that first place. And then, then we can use other methods to try to convert that. So I wanted to put at the end uh, some pictures of some of the ads to make it feel a little bit more real of what we're running. So we use these kind of ads all over the place, both in Terminus but also in LinkedIn. That's what um, these ones are. And also in our geofencing that we do. But we had kind of learned along the way some iterations on how to do it. And some of these were created by us and some of them were created by other vendors. But this is a good example of kinds of ads that we're putting out. So I feel like I went through that super fast, but, uh,
2: but that's what I got. That's <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. So a lot of really interesting things. Wow. Like I'm just thinking about like these numbers, especially when, when you think about the lift and attendance and all these different, different, different metrics. You have been a demand gen person in and out like five different jobs you built it have you done anything similar to what you've been doing right now at fanatic before Phenonic? as a demand gen person uh i kind of got this question a little bit
0: earlier and what it what it most reminds me of is when marketing automation became a thing and you know I, this is a, a long time ago now but really we were talking about this earlier. I think 2009 or something like that was when I first had my first conversation with Pardot. I remember walking away from Pardot. and being like, oh my god, think about all the things we could do, and uh, and it was it was huge. And you know, you fast forward 10 years to today, and that's the same feeling you get with with Terminus. There's just so much opportunity. The gears just really get turning. On wow, there's a lot of stuff I could do. And so that's the closest like I can relate in terms of feeling. But in terms of impact. I've not used a tool with more flexibility and more runway for testing and more runway for. There's also much a much more, it's much more friendly for failure too. Because if you run an ad campaign, it doesn't work, or an ad message, it doesn't work, it's not really the end of the world. It didn't really cost you a lot of money. Whereas if you drop an email campaign that's got the wrong messaging in it, or accidentally send out the wrong whatever, or you spend money on a call campaign with the wrong script, it's really expensive. So, you know, in general, Gives me somebody who's been doing it a long time, and I imagine other people the same way. It gives you a lot of tools to try a lot of stuff and and really get some
2: exciting results out of it. Yeah, that that's cool. We we talk about that like we were talking about this earlier in the product session. Is that how do we? Where are we thinking from a product platform perspective, and where are we really going? What one of the things you said, which I wanted to see if you could double click on that, is when you started at Phononic, you had an opportunity to restart, not only from a team perspective, but also from a tech stack perspective. And you had all the options, right? It seems like you had the budget, like budget wasn't an issue. You're like, you can choose whatever is the best because growth is what really you cared about. And then you said like, well, the first thing, one of the very first things you did there was like, before you even talked about marketing automation or changing anything else is like, you need terminus. So I'm curious because obviously we think that we're building and doing something really, really yeah. cool. But like, what was it for you that was like, man, this is, I have to have it. So
0: again, back to being the flexibility of the platform and uh, so many different use cases of it, but you know, I've said, I've said a lot today, so <laughs> uh, I gotta, I gotta remember uh, what I haven't, haven't said so far, but there's three things that I think that you need to be successful and <laughs> yeah. crushing demand. And I know I said this one already today. <laughs> you need to know what's possible. You need access to the audience and you need a value prop that sells. Someone know what's possible. Know what's possible. Okay. Access to the audience and a value prop that sells. Okay. I can't control the value prop. That's somebody else's problem internally. It's, I entirely control what I know, whether it's possible. or. Not. Terminus gives me access to audience unlike anything else before. And when the world is your audience that you need to build segments around, you know, something like phonics Technology that can go in so many places and we're not exactly sure where, and we're trying to figure that out as we're going... I need to be able to move very quickly on what segments I'm going to target and why. And I need to be able to turn this one off and turn that one on. And, and, and I need, Hey, maybe today I'm targeting this department, but actually I need to target that department. You know, if you're going out and buying lists or building call campaigns or doing whatever you're doing, there's a lot of costs incurred to get after a segment. Whereas with terminus, you don't, you don't incur any costs other than the advertising costs. Like there's no infrastructure cost to get after a new segment, you know? And, and so Once I understood what we were after, uh, Terminus made a lot of sense because it allows you to rapid fire so many different places so fast. And then also, realistically, one of the biggest challenges that marketers have is getting the content created. And creating an ad set is probably as simple of a content ask as you can get and you know a lot of a lot of work has been done to make a lot of other kinds of content simpler and easier to make but you know being able to rapidly prototype essentially your messaging and uh and rapidly prototype your cadence and stuff like that you can't do it any other way any faster any cheaper than terminus and so so coming into it and adopting the technology, like you said, it really was the first one that I adopted. And I had cheated because I had just adopted it like three months earlier at another company. But that would be the biggest reason why. And, uh, and you know, we were talking earlier today, like, if, like today, I really don't know if I was going to start from the ground up. No. I really don't know if I, if I only had X amount of money that I could only afford market automation or Terminus. In the past, I would have always had market automation. How can you possibly run demand in without market automation? And now I'm like, I don't know. Oh no! I might. That's I might a, a big change.
2: <laughs> that's a yeah. big yeah. change. Can we get a round of applause and like just shave it? That's like, that's changed right there for the product team. All right, so we'll open up for questions for everybody to ask. Like, can you share? I think one of the things that we're asking every customer to come and share is there just overall tech stack. So we just get a feel for yeah. what is it that you're using? What, what do you consider core to doing just your job better? Um, and then mm-hmm. if you have questions, just raise your hand and I can run. So we recently adopted
0: Bombora through Terminus and obviously we have Terminus and we're doing the advanced analytics and so that's my analytics piece of things. Of course, we're using Google Analytics and stuff like that as well. We're using Pardot for marketing automation for a couple of reasons and I've used a lot of marketing automations in my life and that's the one I'm on today and we're using uh, BrightEdge for SEO and particularly we use the content platform that they have which is really slick not seen that link equity manager is pretty cool just adopted uberflip it's my third time adopting uberflip so a lot of interesting that's why i was saying i don't know about Mark automation because i might go to Terminus uberflip instead but you know and then we're using salesforce crm those are the core ones that we have i use a couple of different data providers zoom info uber's Healthcare. so there's some data providers i'm just trying to think through the different categories of technology but those are the big ones i would say like absolute core is going to be terminus Marketing automation, which part in Salesforce? I mean, yeah, that's, that's the absolute and core. It's like kind of coming into it, you know, as, as we start replacing landing pages, UberPost streams, and stuff like that. Yeah, sounds good.
1: All right, question. Um, it's so awesome and exciting to see the results that you've had, and to see that your ABM program is clearly like an engine that's up and running, and you know, we're always making iterations, but it's in a really good place. But just curious, because we talk to a lot of our customers about this crawl, walk, run approach, and yeah. if there was a point where you stalled out or hit a roadblock and weren't sure if it was the right path and like how you kind of overcame that or continued on.
0: I would say we've been running, running faster and running faster, faster, you know, and I'm cheating a little bit because, because it's not my first rodeo. And because I'm in an environment where inherently there's just less, there's just less red tape, which I realize is a little bit of a dream come true for people like me. But I I think I think about the crawl, crawl, walk, run, you know, the crawling was understanding what a terminus tactic was. Before I got into it, it was just another tactic in the another arrow in the quiver, as I always say. And it was just like, hey, we're going to do this campaign, we're going to do these things, and we're going to do a terminus tactic, you know. And, and over time, I started to view terminus tactics as more foundational than that. And so they started becoming, well, every segment needs a Terminus tag running at all time. That was just kind of how it shifted. And then as we got after that, I started realizing we need more content to be able to do that because you can't run the same ads forever. Uh, well you can, but you shouldn't. And so then it became, well, how am I going to get enough content to do that? And so then it became much more strategic. It was because you really had to, yeah, have to understand the strategy, the content strategy, and how that maps back to the, the Terminus stuff that you're doing so that you actually have the content that you need to make it work. And that's where we, and I feel like I butchered my slides, but that's where the the, um, editorial calendar really came in. We still are building it by segment. We're still building it by user group. And then we kind of planning editorial content, like blog content primarily to change the ads out. But then when we have a campaign come in, we still can drop in campaign ads. And this is what was really interesting about Turnus as well. is like, you can just add another ad set to the campaign. So I just run my editorial ad set and then the campaign ad set. You know what, if the editorial runs better, Editorial was better, uh, you know. Like maybe that asset wasn't so good. So I think the crawl, walk, run, and from a marketer's perspective, was what even is a termless tactic, and getting away, getting away from thinking about tactically to thinking about strategically from a sales perspective, which is probably the other half of the battle. I've had this challenge more times than once. Which is funny to even call it a challenge. Generating too many leads. You know, if you generate too many leads for your sales team too fast, they start a cherry pick. They start all starting to start to find reasons why your leads aren't good, you know, because ultimately the sales guy is just pissed that he has to call 100 leads or whatever. And that has certainly happened to me before. And, you know, but what Terminus allows me to do is I guarantee you that if your sales guy gives you the 10 accounts that he wants to get in and you give him 10 leads back to those accounts, he's going to call all of them for sure. But if you just pick the 10, let's go to 100. If, you, if he gives you 100 accounts and you get 100 leads, he's going to call those leads. If you get hundred accounts and he didn't pick those accounts, you know it. he or she didn't know what those accounts he's not gonna call those leads. She's gonna figure out whatever the he or she can do to not call those leads, because there's hundred of them, you don't got time for that. So I think one of the big things that I've learned from a sales perspective is, you know, how to even approach sales about it, how to get their gears turned about it, you know, and how to do that account planning and simplifying that until they catch up. Because, you know, it is it is an advanced concept and it's new. A lot of sales guys have been selling a long time and never used Terminus. They didn't need it before. Why do they need it now? So I think it's been a little bit of an adoption race too. So first of all, I just...
3: One of, I think on behalf of all of us I can just say thank you for coming in and sharing. It was uh, it was really great, especially coming right off after our uh, kickoff where we just we started to talk about not the effect that we're having on customers like phenonic, but also the customers that you're serving and the downstream effect of what it means to help grow B two B companies. And this was just, we couldn't have asked for a better example. So thank you so much. <laughs> Something you just said is is really interesting, and that was just. What is the, uh, I guess, the lead gen environment within Phenonic? How do the efforts of your ABM strategies work coincide with some non-account-based type of tactics that you might be employing at the same time, if you are doing any at all? And the reason for that is one thing we talk about here internally is the concept of ABM for everyone. And some companies are just dipping their toe into it and it's kind of ABM 1.0. Whereas others like yourselves are, you know, you're cranking, it's, it's scalable, you, you know what you're doing. Um, so we're always interested to learn about how does this pair with the lead gen efforts?
0: Well, the answer is a couple of different ways. I have a metric called rogue tactics and it's set at two. And if I have more than two rogue tactics in a month, I'm red. Uh, so that means tactics executed outside of a campaign. So if somebody comes and asks me to do something and I have to execute it and it wasn't part of a campaign, then I do that more than twice in a month or red because somebody is not critically thinking. All of our campaigns are account-based, so we're trying not, not, we're trying not to do tactics that aren't account-based. I would say that you know, from a 1.0 to a 2.0, and going back to thinking about tactically versus non-tactically, because that's how it is today, not necessarily how it always, always was. So, so one, of the, one of the adoption metrics I had last year, one of the things I was after last year, so I, you all know this, there's a platform fee for Terminus, and then there's AdSpin. And I pay the platform fee, my partners pay the AdSpin. And one of the goals I had was to take that platform fee divided by a target number of campaigns. And instead of thinking about the platform fee as X, is each campaign carries a certain amount of that fixed cost. And and so there's just a cost to run X number of campaigns. And so right out the gate, I was like, we got to get 35 campaigns to make this make sense, you know, like right out the gate. And so I was doing whatever I could to find 35 campaigns, to split the cost out so it's, so it's sold that way. And so some of, some of it was driven by me trying to bring that fixed cost per campaign down, figuratively speaking. I mean, technically, I didn't have to do that, but that's, that's what I was after, you know. And so I started pushing on it more for that and to try to get more campaigns to include it. But I mean, tactics that might, you might would run outside would be like an event or something like that. But even the events now fit within campaigns, you know, we're just so far yeah. sold on it now.
2: Um, <laughs> and you don't have to i mean i think know. that's so
0: you should give are. him a mic to drop yeah like that's like, what we're done. we're done and so i think what i would say is that my experience is maybe it's just because we've been we've been successful with it it doesn't take a long time to get from one to out 2.0 because you start seeing the results and uh i think the most important thing to do is just try a lot of stuff you know like somebody asked me at the conference and this is what made me go do it <laughs> well, did you try it before and after? And I was like, no, I didn't try it before and after. So I went back and tried it with and without and to, to make sure it, was, it made sense, you know? So I think, you know, if you're running call campaigns today or email campaigns campaigns today, run the terminus in advance and, or don't run it and see what happens for yourself, you know? Like, but it's going to happen, and then it doesn't take long, right? I mean, results, data doesn't lie. That's the best thing about gen. All right, I know
2: we're almost running out of time. So just a couple of things. Uh, I think I said this the first time we did this, and I wrote down this question. Is what would a great customer do? And something as a, as a question, I think that, that, that definitely in my mind, and I think it's really all of them in the conversations been really more interesting is like the, some of the stuff that you shared in the product roadmap that we didn't get to go through is really helping us shape and fire that. So, again, yeah, thank you for doing that. Uh, but here's, I wanna make sure that I recap like three things from three customers we have from our am When Daniel Day was here, the number one takeaway for me, and you only had different ones that i share, uh, if you have one, was that it literally changed his career, his life, or he doesn't really care about, care about going in, do I have a job or not, It literally changed his career life. That was the biggest thing that I got out of it. One of the things Jeremy talked about that was, again, very eye-opening was that they went from having 22 different technologies to do what they did, to like six, that went to consolidation of tech stack and what we want to do with team framework. I think what what I'm hearing from you today, which is big, really really big, that like stood up for that, is the fact that when you are comparing a few years ago, you probably didn't think that was an option, marketing automation, and that you have to have it, and now you will have to think a little bit harder about: do you really want a marketing automation, or do you really want a platform. I think those are like big takeaways that you all need to think about. What are we really learning from these? how we use it in sales and marketing, whatever the process So again, Daniel, on behalf of everybody, thank you so much.
1: You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.